chapter 18. So this is when, uh, talking about forgiveness, Peter was asking all kinds of questions. But let me read this story, and then we'll talk about how, what does this look like. Verse 21 of Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? See, in that day and age, it was thought that you should forgive somebody three times. Beyond that was asking way too much. So it was thought that if somebody hurts you once, forgive them. Twice, forgive them. Three times, forgive them. The fourth time, you didn't really have to forgive them. That was actually something the Pharisees had kind of interpreted wrongly from some Old Testament passages. So Peter thinks, I'm being generous. How many, how, how many times should I forgive somebody? Jesus, seven times? I'm, I'm doubling with the Pharisees. Seven times? And Jesus says, not, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the, and that doesn't mean get a book with 490 pages and check off every time you forgive somebody and not on 491. You, you get the, Jesus is using kind of an exaggerated form to get the response here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And some people think that it might even be less than that. Just we're not really sure about the unit of measure of money, but it was not that much. He owed this one, he owed his master millions of dollars. He was forgiven. He goes out and finds somebody owes him maybe like a week's wages at the most. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full, which of course it couldn't be paid in full because he's in prison. He can't make it up. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. Again, keep in mind, this is a story Jesus is telling to tell them about the nature of forgiveness the way Jesus and God really meant it to be, not the way the Pharisees and religious people, sometimes that we can be, determined it to be. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called on the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I mean, wow. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart? You go back in prison? The heavenly father does that to you? Sounds pretty vindictive, God. Or, or, maybe God really, 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 really cares about forgiveness. And maybe he knows that if forgiveness is in the heart of who you are, who I am, then maybe we're not even followers of Jesus. There's another passage where Jesus says, go to the next slide there. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse the fury of others, your father, your father will not forgive your sins. Now again, this sounds like God is just some kind of a tit-for-tat 
Well, if I don't do it, he won't do it for me. That's not the heart of this passage. Let me explain this to you. It's almost like this. Let's say I have this big funnel that's directed toward God through which God pours abundant mercy, pardon, grace, and kindness to me. So imagine this big funnel that kind of comes down to like here. All right. And God, who we know from Scripture, is an incredibly generous God, always loves to pour generosity onto us, pour pardon, pour goodness, pour mercy, grace, all kinds of things. Okay, now there's this pipe that connects to God's big uh, opening, but it comes down to me, comes down to my heart. But in my heart, I have unforgiveness for someone or maybe more than one or two people. And then unforgiveness is like, pardon the analogy, but it's like that yucky hair and stuff that gets in your sink drain that clogs it up. And so it clogs it up, it clogs it up, and clogs it up, and clogs it up to the point where the, the pipe no longer can move the water along where it's supposed to go. So it's not that God stops pouring his goodness and mercy and forgiveness into your life if you don't forgive. But it's, it has nowhere to go so he can't pour any more into your life. Do you understand the difference there? It's not God saying, well, you're not going to forgive. I'm stopping pouring. I'm not going to give anything good or merciful to you or generous to you or kindness or forgiveness to you. What God's saying is, I, I have so much more to give, but you've clogged it up. And it's no, it just, it's over, it's going to go over. It's going to be wasted. It's not that God doesn't want to offer you more forgiveness in your own life, more mercy, more kindness. More, it's like he can't because you, you've stopped up the pipe. It's a huge difference there. God's not being punitive to you. So then you might ask, you might say then, okay, go to the next question, Paul. If I end up there, who needs your forgiveness? You might say, well, I, I'm I'm good. I'm good on forgiveness. There's really nobody. Okay, a spirit of unforgiveness will show itself in a couple different ways. Uh, one way in which the spirit of unforgiveness shows itself is that you avoid certain people. Like, um, I remember one time there was someone I was, even just thinking about it, kind of stirs a flame in me again. Somebody who I was having a hard time living in a spirit of forgiveness toward. My wife and I were at a uh, a reception or a party or something. The food table was over there. And I wanted to get some more food or drink or something. But the person who I was living in a spirit of unforgiveness toward was standing like here. All right? So how do I get from here to there? I go this way. All right? What was I doing? I was avoiding even wanting to be in that person's presence, I was withholding even my presence from that person, which was a passive-aggressive punitiveness that all of you know what I'm talking about because you've all done it too. You see somebody at the target aisle you don't really want because you... I'll go this way. So it may just be because you're avoiding them. It's not like you're looking out to hurt them. You're not like hunting them down to hurt them, but you may just be avoiding somebody. And again, think about your family gatherings over Christmas and who are you going to avoid? Who are you going to withhold yourself from now, th granted, there's reasonable, good reasons why there's certain ways people have hurt you that restraining and holding yourself back from them is wise and prudent. But in the general sense, there's times where our spirit of unforgiveness is how we withhold ourselves from someone. 
Another way a spirit of unforgiveness might be shown in your own life, if you want to read the warning signs, is how, are you, how do you respond when something bad happens to that person? I call it uh, a sick sense of glee. Like when I find out somebody's had something gone wrong, it's like, oh, that's, that's too bad for them. If they wouldn't have hurt me, they probably would have been. Do you know what I'm talking about? They have something go wrong, and you kind of feel, in a real quick way, you feel good about it. Then you realize you should feel bad about you feeling good, so you try to stop it, but you can't restrain it totally. Or maybe the spirit of unforgiveness is just, maybe you have a bitter spirit. Maybe people around you can sense that. And you don't even know where that comes from. But I guarantee you, somewhere, if you follow that cord all the way back, there's a forgiveness issue. You may be a judgmental person. People around you might say, yeah, you can be kind of condemning. I still remember the first time, about five years ago, somebody said, you seem to have a real judgmental spirit about you. So that to me, and I'm just like, oh, you're kidding me. And then as they kind of unpacked why they said that, I thought, well, yeah, I can see that, but I don't know where it comes from. And you start kind of backing things up with the Holy Spirit's help, you kind of realize, well, oh, there's some forgiveness stuff going on. So sometimes the bitterness I may give toward this person has nothing to do with this person. It has to do with somebody else who hurt me, but I haven't processed that bitterness, haven't forgiven that, so everybody else in my life gets it. So a spirit of unforgiveness displays itself in quite a few ways in all of our lives. And it displays itself in some really subtle ways, in ways that we don't want to acknowledge, we don't want to admit. So then the question then is, okay, how do you live in generosity toward that? How do you forgive? Because some of you might say, well, I've already forgiven that person, I don't need to revisit it. Forgiveness is not an event it's a process that begins with some kind of an event. So you might say, I forgave that person. But if you're honest, there's still times where you don't live in a spirit of generosity toward them. You don't want good things for them. You don't want to obey Jesus when he says, bless those who curse you. You'll curse those who curse you, but you're not going to bless them. And I've, and I've told you before, there's been times in my life where I've felt like God was putting on my heart that I was living in unforgiveness toward, you know, person X, person Y, person Z, or whatever. And um, asking God, okay, God, how do, I, how do I break the cycle? I don't want to be this person anymore. And I really don't want to talk to them and tell them I forgive them, because that, that's going to be counterproductive in some cases it is. But I know, God, I want you to know that I want to forgive them, and I want to live in forgiveness toward them, so what do I do? Kind of like, you know, change me, do something. And that's where, and again, I've shared some of these before. I feel like God, there's times where God's asked me to send anonymously a gift card or money to somebody. Not that they needed the money. Not that they needed the gift card. And no, I did not send them a gift card to like White Castle. I sent them a place that was nice. All right? Not like, eh, go eat White Castle, you know? <laughs> you know, go eat White Castle. But you know what I'm saying? But it was more of letting go. And I've said this before. When I drop those things in the, in, in the mail... Let go of that $25 gift card to Olive Garden or whatever to this person anonymously that really I felt like had hurt me and done me wrong. There was something that I could feel kind of clicked in my heart, like something began to open up because I could let go. 
There's other times where I feel like God has asked me by myself out loud, and I've challenged you to do this too, to pray for that person. So let's say the person's name is Joe. I, would, I remember one time being in my basement room where I was praying one morning, and I, I said, okay, God, I was thinking this. I forgive Joe. And I felt like God said, well, I want you to say it out loud. And I was like, but I already, I already thought that to you, God. I told you I forgive him. I was like, no, I want you to say it out loud. I was like, God, there's nobody here to hear me. And I felt like God was like, but I want you to hear yourself say it. But God, you already know my thoughts. I already thought to you. I forgive you. And God said, no, I want you to say it. So I said out loud, okay, God, I, I forgive. It was amazing how hard it was for me to verbalize that. God, I, God, I forgive Joe. God, I love Joe, and God, I want you to pour abundant blessing on Joe's, Joe's life. And that, I tell you, you start hearing yourself say it, it's hard, because you're like, I don't want, God, I want you to pour abundant curses on that person's life. Show them they were wrong. Show them I was right. Vindicate me, oh God, right? We don't want to bless our enemies. We feel like we're getting cornered when we do. But isn't that the essence of what it means to follow Jesus? Isn't that what sets us apart as followers of Jesus? Our ability to forgive and want blessing on our enemies. On the screen there, Paul put that next slide up there. Two different statements from Scripture, and we're going to do something with this here in a second. The first one, you may know where that first one comes from. Uh, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. Stephen. If you remember the book of Acts, Stephen is one of the early followers of Jesus. Um, he is falsely charged because there's all kinds of anxiety and hostility toward followers of Jesus. He's falsely charged with blasphemy. And so he's the first follower of Jesus martyred because he was a follower of Jesus. First follower of Jesus martyred in the Bible. And as he is getting stoned, as the stones are hitting him, as the stones are bruising him, as the stones are causing him, moving him toward death, in the midst of the pain that's happening, he says out loud, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when you read that, it's like, wow. How in the world? Stephen is the man. How do you, where do you find that kind of strength? To forgive as you're being hurt. Some of us think, well, I'll forgive once the pain is over or five years removed. But the strength of the spirit of Jesus in us can help us forgive as we are being hurt. And he's telling God, don't hold this against these guys. They're throwing stones at me. They're killing me. Where do you get that kind of strength? Well, we know where Stephen got that kind of strength. He'd heard somebody else had said something like that before. Month or year, few months or years earlier, when Jesus was dying on the cross, after enduring incredibly brutal torture, mockery, pain, as he is dying, as he is being tortured and beaten and bruised, he says out loud, so for all around to hear him around the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I've shared before, I still remember the first time I saw that depicted in the movie, The Passion, the Mel Gibson movie. And I remember being shocked for the first time, really, like, wow, how can he say that? In the middle of the suffering, 
not like five years where he's had a chance to heal his wounds and emotionally become better, but in the middle of his suffering. And I remember thinking to myself, that's the kind of man I want to be. And I'm guessing most of you men and women here would say, I'd love to be that kind of person who can forgive and, and no longer be held captive by the bitterness and the anger and the vindictiveness that comes when we don't forgive someone else. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion like we do every week at Exodus. Do this every Sunday. Um, the band will come up here and play a few songs. Uh, one song, actually. And as we're singing, um, we encourage you to come on up for communion. Um, anyone's welcome who, as far as you know, there's no unconfessed sin in your life. There's nothing that you are intentionally giving God a straight arm. So communion is not really a free-for-all party in a sense. Everybody's welcome, but everybody's welcome is not giving God one of these, all right? And nobody, we don't see who's up or down. We don't try to corner you and figure out why didn't you get up or whatever. So perfection isn't the standard at the table, but sensitivity to the spirit of Jesus is. So if you may have had bad week where you've, you know, bit your husband's head off or bit your wife's head off or yelled at your kids. But as long as you're responsive to that to God, you're welcome. Anybody's welcome. If perfection's the standard, then nobody's going to come up here, right? It's responsive to the spirit of Jesus, the standard. So we come up here, we take the bread, we take the cup, and Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my body and the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of many. So when we take communion, what you're doing is you are taking in the spirit of Jesus who said he did that for your forgiveness. Remember the story we read, forgiveness of millions of dollars of debt where the king says, no, I forgive it. For your forgiveness, then the question is, how will you steward the forgiveness of Jesus in your life? Because if Jesus gives you this unconditional, unlimited give you a new kind of life forgiveness, then you are responsible, just like you're responsible to steward your money, you are responsible to steward this forgiveness. And how you steward this forgiveness is the mark of your life as a follower of Jesus, probably more than any other mark. And so here's what we're going to do then. After you take communion, and then over on that side table, behind those two black curtains, there's a table over there, and there's like green and red cards. And the same thing on both cards, it's just, I want Christmas colors, that's all. No, no, you know, green and red don't mean I'm more angry or less angry or whatever, all right? And it has these very things up there. And all I want you to do, and not everybody, you know, we're not going to, again, we're not going to see who's up and down, who's doing, because some of you may feel like you really are in a good place, and there's not anybody that's pressing on you. But others of you may think, you know, there's still somebody that, hard time forgiving, or, or I think I've forgiven that person for what happened 10 years ago, but there's times when I think about them, I still kind of get, Ugh! You know, kind of turn into the Hulk all over again emotionally. You know, might calm down in a few minutes, but I still kind of, and I still don't know if I would want God to bless them. So there's cards over there. Just, you know, grab one. And in that, in the blank, I just want you to put, you're not, you're not turning these in either. This is for you to keep, so don't worry about me trying to figure out who's, who wrote this, you know. In that blank, you can put their name, put their initials, whatever you, you know. That, so for me, I'd be like, you know, Lord, do not hold this sin against Joe. And then everything in me is like, no, 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 God, you have to hold it against him because he hurt me. Or, Father, forgive Joe for he didn't know what he was doing. No, he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing, God. No, no. Be like Jesus. I want you to 
put their initials in there, put their name in there. If there's more than one, rhyme in there. Just take the card with you, stick it in your pocket. Carry it around this week. Put it somewhere you're going to see it this week. Make that the prayer of your week. Let that be one of the greatest gifts you give this year for Christmas. And let God give you a greater sense of his forgiveness and mercy because you're cleaning out the junk in the pipe. Because what unforgiveness does, it clogs up the flow of the love and the power and the forgiveness that God wants to pour into your life. He wants to give so much more, but if you're going to keep it clogged with your own bitterness, anger, whatever it is, if you're going to keep it clogged, God does not go down there and jam it through there. He respects your freedom. So again, we'll take, take communion and then uh, just even symbolically the idea of we, we, we steward the freedom of Jesus. If you head on over there. Again, if you don't go over there, it's not, we're not measuring spirituality of that, but I know there's people here that need just to kind of verbalize it all over again. Even as you write an initial down or a name down, you may even just quietly kind of read it out, quietly read it out loud in your head. Now, how does that sound, all right? And just say, God, don't, you know, don't hold this sin against... And this week, I'll challenge you even to read it out loud somewhere in your car, in your room quietly. You know, Lord, don't, don't hold this sin against my mom. Father, forgive my ex-spouse, for they really didn't know what they were doing. Whatever that needs to be. All right? So there's, there's over there, there's pens over there. Um, and just want to encourage you to respond in that way. And you might think, well, I've already forgiven them. Why do we need to do this? No, there's nothing magical about doing this. There's nothing in the New Testament about red index paper, all right? But there's something about your body moving and your hand writing that starts to etch something on your heart, maybe in a way that you need because you need to take that, you need something to push you past that groove you've been stuck in for years of unforgiveness. Or you need something to move you toward being more gracious and generous toward that person you work with, your neighbor, your kids, your parents, your spouse. And you, just, you want God to know, I want to be more of a generous spirit toward them. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to behave nice, but inside still be angry and bitter. I want to be the generous kind of life-giving person. And I think God is in, would be incredibly, incredibly more excited and proud of, of a congregation of people who become generous in spirit He'd rather have that than a dime of our money. He'd rather have that than 15 cents of our money, let alone 15,000. He'd rather have that than give away anything money-wise. As a matter of fact, Jesus even says, if you're at the altar getting ready to give your gift and you remember there's someone that has somebody against, something against you, leave your gift there. Don't even give it. Go get reconciled first. So there's even a biblical principle there. If you don't, if there's something unresolved that you haven't resolved it in your spirit with God or even with that person, if it's possible, don't even give money because you're not fooling God. Jesus, we ask you today that you would give us a spirit of generosity and we know that only happens if you do it supernaturally. And we know it only happens if we open that door for you to do it supernaturally. You don't steamroll us you don't force feed us, but you love, love, love to pour out love and mercy and grace into us. You love us to experience more of that from you. So God, we're asking if you would give us the courage 
to give you the freedom and invite you to help clean out all those pipes. Because you don't do it without us inviting you. So we're inviting you. That you would, uh, even if there's unforgiveness we're not aware of, would you bring that to our memory? This Would your Holy Spirit stir our memory to people we need to deal with or situations we need to kind of let go of? And Jesus, we want to be generous, life-giving, life-releasing people. And so do your work, Holy Spirit. Do your work. Um, We'll take our hands off our heart and let you do whatever you want to do. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.